Yo, Katie, tell them what they're about to listen to. Welcome, guys, to another exciting episode of The O. My name is Ogo, also known as Mr. O, and I'm excited to bring to you the conclusion of my chart with Mr. Mark Walters. In part one, we were analyzing the creative mind going into business for themselves and you know the inherent limitations that the creative mind possesses and how that can be an inhibition from success in in a commercial endeavor and also mark walters was um, very generous to open up his um his past to us in terms of why he got into business for himself and the challenges he was facing in this episode we delve deeper into all that conversation and more so without further ado here is the conclusion of my conversation with mark walters of the mark one group and so at the end of that i wanted to go and set up my own thing and the people that were still at virgin liked me and started to give me lots of work okay um in particular that i've put thumbs up to is a guy called jeff dodds who's a I believe he's the COO of uh, Virgin Media Mobile at the moment. Okay. And he's a very inspirational guy, a great guy. He would give me lots and lots of work. And then there's lots of his people within the Virgin sphere would give us lots and lots of work. So we did lots and lots of work for them. Um, mm. For the first three or four years, we had lots of work and people working for us and stuff. Yeah, and um, this is the Mark One, Mark One group. This is Mark One group. And, yeah. and the issue, issue I found is I hated doing all the paperwork stuff. This okay. is the business stuff. Mm. And there's two aspects. There's two aspects to business. There's the creation of new work. Actually, mm-hmm. there's three aspects. Three aspects: creation of new work. There's the negotiation for to getting your money after you've done the work. Mm-hmm. And then, and then there's the um, there's the admin side of all of that, mm. which is the real guts of the company. And I truly found out that I'm not. I don't. I can do it to a high level, but it's not me. Mm-hmm. It's you tire out like yeah. not so much you tire out that's our okay. brain isn't developed for that. it's developed for creative wild indulgence to create great stuff and whatnot whereas pedantic detail that is that is logical is that side is undeveloped in most creatives and that's why i always say you need business people because business people that's where they're at they're at that logical let's get things done and, and it's like let's get all these forms sorted out and get all the, the t's crossed and the, the i's dotted whereas a creative doesn't want to do that right it's not their preferred option of getting up in the morning to do all that stuff so any creative that is kidding themselves that they like that is they're not true creatives do you know what i mean my, my opinion. so so it's not it's not like the creative from what you're saying it's not like the creatives can't do it it's like they just don't like it because you could do it and you, you you said it. You could do it at a high level, but you just, just wasn't your cup of tea. You just didn't get a kick out of doing it. Absolutely, that is. Mm. To- that, there's no way I would ever say that creative people can't do business. Mm. But I would absolutely say that the majority of creative people are useless at business. And mm. the reason why I would say that is because they don't want to do it. Mm. Mm. It's mm. as simple as that. It's not. It's not because they they're not good at it and all this. It's like if if I get up in the morning and I've got to go and make a song or or do I'm doing a brand at the moment for a small company. Mm. Um, it's totally <laughs> pleasurable sitting sure. there and creating all this stuff. Like in the morning, there's nothing there. By the end of the day, there's a full brand there and there's bits and pieces and there's concepts and understandings of how it will roll out and all this stuff. That is the juice. Mm-hmm. As soon as I've got to now create the invoices. And do all of the back work 
and then chase these people for money and all this stuff. Mm. Man, it's the biggest turnoff. I hear you. And, hear you. and, and, and to, to be honest, that that is not a bad thing because if I could go back and change my company, I would have started it with a partner. And that partner mm. would have been potentially a producer that has my levels of skill mm. so that we could form a, a yin and yang type scenario where the creative work is getting done, the details there, the big pictures being done, and then the back end stuff is being battened down and that person enjoys getting all the back end stuff done, the detail done on that side, the communications with the client. Because sometimes you want to shout at the client, you want to tell the client yeah. the reality, but yeah. you need an interface, you need an you need a good producer that can kind of take the heat out of the situation, keep the romance going mm-hmm. and get the work done. And it's really, really difficult being that in one person. It's really difficult. So so you really obviously difficult. you obviously lacked the um that critical element like you've you've said that that not just the fact that you didn't really enjoy it but you lacked that business person in that so would that be would that would you say that contributed to your major challenge in because i think in the fourth year you mentioned the first four years so i'm assuming at the fourth fifth year uh things started taking a slightly different turn than what you'd hope absolutely okay no your absolutely your assumptions are correct also as well i was burnt out mm. and when you're doing all of this stuff, it's just too much. It's mm. too much. Um, and like you said, it's not that we can't do it because I can do it and I can do it at a high level. Um, I've got systems there. I understand Excel spreadsheets and all that stuff now. I can, you know, the person I am now, the, my, my most valuable side to any organization is to come in and have high level ideas and deep right down to the detail, be able to deliver, deliver them if needed. Mm. but motivate the entire team but keep everything on the bottom line i.e. make money out of the situation so these are all the skills i've learned over the last 10 years is like how do you motivate everybody deal with all of the issues and problems still keep everybody creatively engaged and deliver exceptional stuff that's still on target on budget and all that it's a real serious job and when i came out i didn't want to be freelance i wanted to run a company um, which was interesting because when you were company, that, you got though? paid wages. Well, I mean, why, why, why that? I mean, obviously, you said your parents, uh, the entrepreneurship side of it. Was that the sole reason why you wanted to go that route, or was there something else? I think, I think, I think you're correct. There. I think it's because I was raised that way, and I saw my parents employing people, and I had this kind of romantic vision of building something quite big, um, with lots of people running around and employing lots of people to do lots of stuff with my knowledge of how to guide people and whatnot. And the reality is the missing cog was a really tough producer that had the similar vision that wanted to build something for himself. That's the missing cog. Mm. Not that I haven't done it. I've done it. But if, if you don't enjoy it, it doesn't get done on mm. time. Sometimes sure, um, it doesn't get done to its highest ability where it's effective, where it can be proactive. It's always reactive. Whereas all the creative stuff is proactive, we're doing this, we're doing that, but with that stuff there, it's uh, it's really, really difficult, and it's so, a hard pill to swallow. No, I hear that. So just just to just so that the listeners can even get more insight. So what are those business elements in the Mark Warren Group that you think suffered and kind of like made things slow down a bit? Right. So in order to right chasing money. Mm. Most people who work for people 
don't have to chase money. They get a yeah, PAYE payslip. Sure. And all their stuff is taken out of it. I've enjoyed that for a number of years and didn't think anything of it. Hmm. When you're on the other side, you need to have all of that up to date running like clockwork. But if you're chasing people for it as well on top of trying to do all the creative stuff, that's a massive hole in your armor. Um, not to say that I didn't have, I had a bookkeeper and an account and all this kind of stuff, but when it falls to me now to, um, for example, to go into detail, if I'm now pricing a job, there's various elements within that job. You've got to price it according to the person that you're going to hire to do the job, whether it's a freelance person. Um, you've got to price it according to the, the, the light bill that you're paying for the place you're renting. Price it according to all of the software that you're using. Um, and just basic stuff like if you've got to move around petrol or whatever, all the stuff that goes to running a company, all those costs have to be aggregated into this job. Um, your accountancy bill, all this kind of stuff. Now, when your client now sees this, if your client's smaller, they now think you're expensive, but you're not, and they think you're getting all this money. So now if I now even add, say I add a 15 or 20% markup to the total bill because the company itself has to be in profit. Forget me, like because the company is a separate entity from myself. So... In order to do the business, all of these aspects have to be considered in just doing someone's brand. And in their mind, if they've only got five grand or ten grand or one grand or whatever, they think they, they're getting the entire world for that. So if you break down those costs into a grand, you start to quickly realize there's no money in this project. Yeah. There's no money. Before you pay anyone or whatever, you do this, you do that. There's no money. So this is something now that is strong within mark one group because it's strong within me however mm. there's still a kickback because i don't want to do it <laughs> like i was like oh god i've got to do this again mm -hmm. um, which is interesting because if i had resource because when i came from corporate space there's resource there so yeah all your producer all, that yeah absolutely so so now i'm actually a person like myself is now actually better to be with a producer because i fully understand what they need Mm. so in doing it now I'm really efficient at it and I understand how to do it but any company that's out there for your listeners if they're thinking about setting up stuff they must have people that understand systems and processes that are to do with um, pricing jobs up um, a process of how to collect the money like when yeah. the money needs to be paid by whether it's a deposit based on half of upfront or whatever it is um to ensure that they've got enough cash flow in their business to pay their people, to even pay themselves and pay their bills. It's mm. crucial to the delivery of the project. And also to be careful, really careful of labors of love. Because yeah. Labors of love, they sneak in the door, them ones. They sneak in and the next minute you're doing all this stuff and you're totally co committed to it. And when the end product is finally delivered, it doesn't actually... Um, it's still a, could be an awesome piece of work, mm. but it's just another piece of work on your reel to mm. someone who's looking at it to give you another job. They they don't see all of that stuff behind it. And if we are now in a commercial environment where we're doing art for commercial gain, i.e. money, mm -hmm. we have to be really careful. And I've fallen into some of those holes in the, in my time quite quite a lot. When yeah. you're in labors of love, and you're deep in that space. I mean, th th this, j j just just to give you a tr uh, trail of thought, because this is an interesting one. Now, okay, so you you 
let, let me let me pull away from Mark One Group, right? And let's just say I'll call them Company A. Company A has got the you know the founder very experienced. He's won an awards or she has won awards, and um, all of a sudden they they transition into setting up their own business, right? And maybe they've got contacts in the industry, like so they've got some business coming in. After client A, client A is probably you know someone they know, so they, it keeps the cash flow going for for a while. Now they meet client B. Client B happens to be very very um, you know promises longevity in business relation and say look if you do this for us we will keep you we will you know chuck you some more work over the year right now this the reality is a lot of businesses especially you know creative businesses have this kind of situation where they're dangled carrots consistently and being in the business where you are trying to secure work right knowing fully well that you have to pay bills and whatnot how do you advise people like that? Because what you've said is very interesting in the sense that you have to cost everything and of the client things are very expensive. What if you keep seeing clients that are at that level that keep saying, look, you want us to do a brand job, do a brand job for us, we've got like 10 grand and you know this is a 100 grand job, you know, but you don't want to lose the work. So how do you advise companies to navigate that time in there? Or do you just, do they just shut down and look for bigger clients? I don't know, how do they do that? How do they navigate? I think I don't think there's no there isn't one answer to answer that straight but what I will mm -hmm. say is from my own personal experience because I can only talk from that with confidence mm -hmm. is that there gets a stage whereby if you say to me I want XYZ mm. I already know it in my head through my years of experience what you need I can kind of go right okay you need this because your audience is this you need this you're doing this Mm -hmm. So I can solve, the, I, I, there's most design problems I can solve just by someone talking based on my experience. Sure. And, and now that I have the financial experience in my head also, the powerful thing in my head is now going, I also know what that costs mm -hmm. to do that. Yeah. So the question now from someone like myself now comes, do I now go along with just trying to appease people that, Really, if they pay me way below what my asking price is, mm. they're going to continue in that same vein. In fact, they're going to come back with less the next time mm. because my experiences over the years, that's what's happened. Mm. Or do I now start to go back to my original thing when I went for my first job is like reposition myself for the types of things I actually want out of this. Okay, And that's a real hard conversation you've got to have because when you have that conversation you've got to let go of some of your ego but would, would, you, know? would you would you say ego though for, for you know if you if you totally say ego. It's, all, it's all ego it's all mm. ego because if you're saying to me you want to mm. like i'm gonna okay in order to keep my company running i'm gonna do jobs that are below what i'm worth right okay that is that is an a negative aspect to your ego. You're now compromising ego in that. So it's still ego. You're, you're going, well, you know what? I should be getting more, but I'm going to let this thing beat me down and I'm going to kind of just do stuff because at least I'm doing something for this money. Now, in the creative sphere, if you've got a long-term plan, that mm -hmm. type of thing could work. If you're okay. saying to yourself, you know what? I want to be the number one director out here. I'm going to direct everything. I don't care about the money and all that. They're just going, no, I'm the hottest guy. 
and then once I've got to that point, I'm going to get an agent, and then I'm going to be demanding my weight in gold. If if that's a strategy, mm. then you have to be laser focused and know that that's what the strategy is when you're in them spaces doing work for for not that much money. Mm. You know that this is what I'm actually doing. But what happens to us as creators? We get lost. Okay. We, we sometimes start doing stuff and we have that in our mind that when I do this, I'm going to do that. And we don't realize that when you look up, 10 years have gone by and mm, mm, mm. haven't achieved the stuff that was on your heart that you really wanted to do. Say you wanted to do features or whatever it is, you haven't done them yet because you've been doing that thing where I'm going to just do this one because it's, it's enough money to get me and pay my bills and whatnot. Mm. And that is a sound reason. There's nothing wrong with that. But you have to be honest with yourself and say, well, actually, I'm in a rut here. I'm just doing stuff that's below my batting average. And then the next question is, are there the actual jobs available for where my skill level's at? Mm. You know, because where I'm at now, if I'm being honest and ruthless with myself, there's not multiple jobs that can actually employ me. Okay. So I've got to be honest and go, well, who am I going to talk to if I, because one of the things I'm toying with because COVID and all the rest of it in 10 years of business now is, is potentially going back into a more corporate space mm. and offering so my skill set. fully employed. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's fully employed, even if it's short-term contracts or long-term contracts or, you know, there's people that work differently now and whatnot with Zoom and all the rest of it. Sure. Um, but how it's been of for the last 10 years I've been running my own situation pretty much self-sufficiently I was very forward thinking many years ago and I built a, a, a studio at the back of my house and so I've got mm. a studio that's self-contained and all the rest of it so the COVID thing hasn't affected me at all I'm just working as I work because I, I built a bunker many many years ago so yeah, where, where I'm at more not because of COVID just at, at 10 years of business is to just kind of say well actually I enjoy talking to people mm -hmm. I enjoy solving problems Mm. I enjoy making money for myself and for people. I enjoy like paying people or making money for other companies and all this kind of stuff. Like what type of job should I be looking for? Who should mm. I be speaking to if I'm going into that market? So mm. the point I guess I'm saying to you is if you're now in a space whereby you are taking on stuff that's outside of your skill set, the first question is, is my skill set worth this? Like mm. what you perceive it should be. And then if it is, where are those people that are getting what I perceive I should be getting? Mm. And then pursuing those spaces to try and get that because the, the, the false promise never yields anything. Mm. If, if someone... Sorry, go on. No, 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 no. I, so I just wanted to expand. So obviously the false promise is like, you know, um, a client dangling a carrot in front of you saying if you do this at this lower rate, lower than your market value, yeah, yeah, you get more in the future, yeah. So, yeah, go on. Just for listeners, in case they don't understand what that means. Yeah, so basically, my my issue with that is is once... This, this is all perception. The whole mm. thing we live on this planet is perception. Mm. Once somebody has formed the perception on you that you're cheap, you'll mm. never remove that perception. So, mm. you now accepting that without any caveats, you've actually created that energy yourself because you've accepted it which is a little segue here, a little bit of a sales point. My, the name of my book is called You Are What You Accept. That's the name of my, my, my book I'm working on. Yeah. And if you accept certain circumstances to unfold, it's difficult now for you to play the victim. Mm. So the whole of creative industry that accepts 
pitching for free has created mm. the circumstances to now pitch for free. Now, that, that might be a tall statement. I might get a lot of people saying, oh, you shouldn't say that and whatnot. Mm. But I was around before when pitches were paid for. Mm. And then, again, a symptom of the computer becoming so powerful meant it sped up the design process. Now, people can afford to pitch for free that are bigger, but the small guys can't. Like, I can't afford to pitch for free yeah, against but- other companies. No, no, because that's that's a part that that you know always bugged my mind, and obviously it's like you said, you know, personally I don't. The idea of spending hours getting a researcher or or not getting a research, like if you're a small guy, right? If you're a small business, you probably have one or two people trying to create this pitch for a client, and you know that most likely this is not gonna get go anywhere, you know. Yeah. The fact, and and un, un, unfortunately, <laughs> you could spend a whole year doing that. And that's what I'm saying, like, if you're a small business, and I think you've, I've got part of the answer for what you've said, it's it's a tough pill to swallow because if you're setting up a small creative business and you very well know for the first year or two that you're just going to be pitching, pitching, because, again, that's what a lot of people say. You pitch, 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 and it's all free, right? And the client can look at your pitch and say, nope, you've spent days, weeks, but just they just don't care. It's just out the window. And then you get a client that shows up and says, hey, you know, um, we know this costs six figures, but we want you to do it for lower five figures because we're going to give you this and this. And it's very enticing for the business owner to say, you know what, just to keep bills paid and this and that, you jump on that. So in essence, what you're saying is if you find yourself in that situation, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you find yourself in that situation, you probably didn't do your homework, right? You shouldn't be jumping into business at that time. And you should probably, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, you should probably basically just reevaluate where you are and come back with a bit more ammunition to get the right client. Would that be, uh, yeah? That's the, that, is, that is what I think I'm saying that, but I'd like to add to that. I think that all of that is valued, mm. but I think one of the things as creatives we may lack, and you know, I level this against myself, is like dealing with the reality of the situation. Like what it really means, like what does this really mean? Because even coming up with personal projects is like being really honest with yourself. Like, does this even have a market? Once you've had the indulgence stage, like what is the potential growth within the market? Mm. Has has the, has the creative person done a SWOT analysis? Do they know what a SWOT analysis is? Like the strengths, mm. weaknesses, opportunities and threats. Do they know mm. what that is? Mm. You know, have they got a business plan done, like a proper business plan that's researched the market that they're getting into? And because of the nature of what we do, we don't normally do that. We're indulgent. We go off gut instinct. So, so, and by the time we've now fully committed a number of years to a situation where when we don't fully understand the business implications, and that's why a business person will actually go from the bottom line first. They'll start thinking about, is this going to be feasible? Whereas we don't by our nature. So all of what you said is valued. Um, and one must be like it's, it's the honesty like so creativity like i like to break things down into to one word terms like so if you mm. used to say to me mark what is creativity mm. i would say it's honesty the one okay. word honesty that's what it is because you can't create things being dishonest Like i can't say to you this is really good you're gonna love it and, and say all this stuff and lie to you and you look at it and you think it's rubbish you think it's shit it's like this is what he's saying mm. yeah yeah, yeah. Right, so, so you have to be honest by the nature of what we do. Whereas mm. business is the total opposite, man. You can say anything in business to achieve your objectives. 
Mm-hmm. And, and the business people that I've been around, I don't want to call all business people dishonest, but they will bend the truth in order to to meet their objectives. Mm. Whereas you you cannot do that in creativity. So the two are like yin and yang, they're totally different. So within creativity, you need more honesty. And, and the creatives have to develop um, resilience mm. and, and thick skins to take on board what's being said and then add it to their work. Mm. You know, so to fully deliver something that actually connects because it's all about uh, this creativity is all about a connection it's all about can, does this thing connect with this audience mm. you know and if you don't have that no matter what business or what we're saying it's just an indulgent thing so I think I think yes you have to do your research you have to kind of fully understand the implications of what this industry is um, and what it is you're letting yourself in for and I say that because Many of the decisions I've made in the past didn't have any of that in there. So I'm a victim of what I'm actually saying. I'm talking from actual experience. That I've done it on numerous occasions. Just started creating stuff thinking that people are going to like it and getting people involved in it and doing stuff without fully knowing that there's even an engaged market. Yeah. Or whether the market's scalable. Because if there's only a small niche market, like mm-hmm. say I'm making a just for black people in the United Kingdom. Yeah. The first, the first point I've got to understand is like, what is eight percent that all ethnics make up of this country? Yeah. So once you understand that that's the the, the market you're making it for, and then you skim it down to blacks, and then you skim it down to creatives, mm. you don't even really have a growth market, really, if you're mm. trying to do something that's going to pay your bills. Mm. So then you have to be realistic with, can I expand upon that space, and what can I do? And then there's a thin line where you've got to now look at the authenticity of the piece, and then the bit where it turns into commercially viable, and yeah. whether you can make it authentic enough to have commercial crossover appeal. Mm. And, and that takes real skill, real skill. You can't. And that's just, where the business person comes in, isn't it? Well, no, no, no. I'm talking about it from a creative viewpoint. So, okay. So, okay. Say, 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 me and you was going to make a film. Mm. And we go, yeah, we're just going to make a film about what we love because da 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 And we did it all mm-hmm. and we put it out there. And we got the sympathy vote, which I'm not going to talk about specific names, but a lot of films that have come out get sympathy votes yeah, because it's, it's been done. Because they're black. <laughs> and, they're, and I'm going to say it, they're rubbish. They're just, they're just <laughs> abs- they're shot. The, the story's bad, the acting's bad, there's no inciting incidents. There's no, it's just bad. It's badly done. Even mm. though there's a few gems out there, there's a few people that are actually really, really good. So that's not everyone, but there's a yeah, few sure. things out there that, that do that. Now, now, if I were involved in that process, the first thing I would be questioning is who's directing it, who's editing it, all the things that I know you need to make mm. a classic piece of telling but if we were doing that that would be the part of the criteria and then i'd have to establish whether this particular product that we're trying to make because a film is a product is going to have crossover appeal outside of our demographic because if it doesn't we're going to spend three or four years of our life creating something that doesn't make us any money sure so so some real reality up front is needed in certain projects and then some real looking at who's this actually for outside of our own ego Mm. Because because creative people are, are ego driven and we have to be ego driven because it's an indulged game that we're in and if you don't have ego and indulgence you can't really create nothing mm. because that's that's the space that creativity comes from it comes from like an idea that I have of something how it could be and I'm romantically attached to the idea and I'm now trying to fight to bring it into the world and give it birth and whatnot so it's it's a romance mm. and that is potentially where a business person comes in or another creative person that you can bounce off that you know is not being malicious 
just giving you their viewpoint. Yeah. And, and if it helps, it's a great thing. And if it does, like, there's a piece of work out that I've seen. I don't know who it's by, but there's pieces of ice falling out of the sky, and, and these dancers are dancing around it. And that piece of work is amazing. Okay. It's amazing. I saw it and just was like, it turned me back on. Like, oh, yo, I want to get out there and show people like, I'm better than that. And I started yeah. getting angry watching it. This is amazing. <laughs> and that piece, yeah, it's wicked, man. You know me, you know me really yeah, well. Like, for me yeah, to yeah. say something good, like, you know, <laughs> I'm quite a harsh critic. Yeah. But it's, it was ama- it's an amazing piece of work. And if you can catch it, it's these guys, I think they're down in um, Liverpool Street around the back there where Petticoat Lane is and they're dancing Hmm. And pieces of blocks of ice are falling out the sky, and they dance. It's a ma- amazing piece. Like that is what I'm talking about. Because once you've got that leveled, and the business people now connect into that, it the thing will move because hmm. the quality's there. You've had the discussions and arguments to get the creative as best as it can be. Now you need to let go of it. It's not yours hmm. anymore. You got to let some people that are going to go out there and get dirty. Because business is about getting dirty and hustling to get the thing to where you want it to. Yeah. And creatives yeah. should to be removed from that space they can't be in that space mm. they can't so, be in that space so that's like a Sorry, to- total no no but that's like a total so for you the way you see it it's like there is no can you say there is a creative okay let's put it this way um there's a creative there's a creative businessman right or businesswoman who yeah. and 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 in your mind what do you think should come first the businessman in a creative industry or in a creative space, right? Or a creative person who has become a business person? Um, I think that if you take examples of the most successful people who Let's say are Tyler Perry. People, Let's say Tyler Perry now. Yeah. He's, I think yeah. he's a perfect example. I would say he's a creative businessman in Tyler Perry's, Perry's case. I think... His upbringing was quite brutal. Um, I know a little bit about his story, but I understand that he did something out of his comfort zone, dressing mm. as that the lady and stuff, that character that yeah. he developed. Yeah, Medea, and, yeah. And, and, yeah. And what happened with him was, he was savvy enough to understand when he had something. Mm. And he, he worked it. So, yeah. so, first of all, no one was turning up, but he knew mm. he had something. And part of, I'd say, some creative problems, I don't know all, is we like to move on to the next bit of injection of creativity. But we're but, not. But sorry, sorry, don't forget thrill of thought. Sorry. Don't you think that slight, there's a slight contradiction here because he started and then I think for a few years the, people were not showing up. But if you say, if you, if, 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 if you consulted him then and said, look, you, you've not performed your SWOT analysis, you don't know what, like, is no, there, he Jimmy? Had, he had, no, but he, no, but he had done that. He'd he'd worked out that that black American women have a lot of money to spend, and they're forced to be reckoned with in terms of economic spend. He'd worked that out, and he okay. was trying to target. He was trying to target it with not much success. But he knew. So, was, so what you're saying is that he knew he knew it was coming, but he just needed to ride the waves for a bit. Is that what you're saying? I don't know. I don't know if he knew it was coming because I'm sure he would have been in a he'd have been in a room full of no one there thinking, "Bro, I got to cover the bills." Because <laughs> Matt was like, he, he had like some lean lean attendance for a while. That's according to what, he, what his he, he, story said. He, he did. He did. But when you check all entrepreneurs, they've all had that. Mm. And so, 
So the question is, what is the difference? The difference is, he, as he was doing it, he would have started to see trends and changes that he would then now start to capitalize on. And so he's now having to deal with the reality of the decisions he made before and how to change with it. Mm. And then rebuild his model. And change. So um, there's an artist in America called Rush. Not Rush, the Rush yeah. from here who does... Yeah, Rush. Yeah. And, and he oh, yes, is yes, the yeah. perfect... Yeah, he's the perfect. If you're creative, you need to go and check out Russ mm. because Russ just gives you the blueprint of how he did it. Mm. And and it's a blueprint in the in the music company that we're running called Emotive Frequency. It's the blueprint that we're kind of working to. We've got our own one, but it's it's and what he did was he put out 11 albums over a period of time. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of him putting out the albums, he had a thousand fans. Mm. At the end of putting out the eleven albums, he had a thousand fans. <laughs> <laughs> what a growth! What a level of growth, man! <laughs> right. So, he, so, but, but, but what he, but what he learned from that, that and that's mm. the most important thing about the Tyler Perry story and the Russ story and the Jay Z and all the rest of it, because all their stories are the same. Mm. He learned that in putting out those albums, people would only listen to the first track or maybe the second track. Okay. So he said. On an album, if I've got, say he's got 10 tracks or he's got five albums and then then five albums, he's got, I don't know, 50, 60 tracks. Yeah. He said to himself, people don't only listen to one track at a time and from an unknown artist. Why don't I just put out one track a week Hmm. so I can create consistency, I can create reliability and generate a fan base. Hmm. So as he was doing this, some of his records became hits. The irony of the whole situation is the 11 albums which he had out before, people went back and started listening to it. Mm. Now, he's back, he's back catalogue because he owns it all because it's his own stuff he put it out on. Yeah. It now generates over 100 grand a month without him doing anything. Mm. Nice, so the, nice. The key, the key thing I would say to you there is, should Russ have stopped? Absolutely mm. not. But what mm. he did, which is really important, is he started to look at the data Mm. and analyze what wasn't working, what was working, and how I could now adapt to the situation. Mm. And, and all of us creatives need to do that. So I would never say don't do stuff and whatnot. So Tyler Perry would have done exactly the same. He would have seen certain things that he has to fine tune yeah. in order to get his audience that he was trying to get to. But at the beginning of his process, in his mind or whether he did SWOT analysis or whatever, he would have considered that the black woman of America mm-hmm. is a good market. They're underrepresented. They don't have any material. Let me try and make something for them. So his thought process at the beginning would have been interesting. And he would always say he was around his mom and his aunties and all this stuff. Yeah. And so he he already kind of knew his market. So, mm. he, so that's that's the key thing I would say. And that's one of the things I've had to learn also mm. because I'm an indulgent creative guy and doing stuff and whatnot is understanding is there a market and then is that market scalable and is that market going to understand what I'm doing and what have I got to change in my product in order to reach that market and make them happy mm. 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 that's that's what I would say well that's interesting man that's interesting because the, the the reality is from what you've said is also the fact of just doing it and you do it and as you do it you reiterate you try and understand where the shortcomings are and you just keep going from there. Now, the very people like you know people like Tyler, they're they're rare in the sense that, um, well, as far as I know, he doesn't. When he started, he didn't have a business partner per se, 
so you do get those um unicorns every now and again um but you know they... I, I would i would i i would i would challenge that though Go for I it. don't know this. I'm going to speak mm. from a level of ignorance, but you know, everyone's allowed a bit of ignorance. No, no, of course, but sure, I, sure. I would challenge that because when you look at Jay Z, you look at Tyler, mm. you look at Diddy, all these characters that have managed to amass fortunes and stuff. Mm. There's there's thinkers in the background that are supporting them. There's mm. foot soldiers. There's generals. There's all different people around them. Yeah. That they speak to or get advice from or support their cause hmm. so if you take all of um uh, the, the the southern guys in in the states like the master P's and all those guys yeah. who made money they all talk to jay prince hmm. now jay prince is the it was the one of the first independent record guys out there hmm. um, and he would have had his mentors and whatnot so one of the things we lack here our powerhouses like here in the uk yeah oh. Yeah, here in yeah. the UK, because because I've been using American examples, right? Because sure. they're more advanced than us in terms of the wealth that they have and what they've managed to achieve, and they have, and that's fundamentally down also to their headcount being bigger than our headcount. Mm. But they're a good um, blueprint to look at in terms of structure. Okay. So now, if there's a young guy out there that's got entrepreneurial spirit in him, he's a creative. He needs mentoring. Mm. Because by the time he makes a transition from 19 to mid-30s, if he hasn't been steered in the right directions by a few people that are slightly older or been there or whatever, he'll be burnt out. Sure. He'll be burnt out because you've got to have that little extra thing. And any any of the camps that you see in this country, like the hashtag Murkies from Stormzy and all these guys, there's guys around them. It's not just Stormzy on his own getting up every morning doing all that stuff. Mm. And he'll be the first to dig up his crew. But mm. when he's big enough, his crew, those people are serious individuals with very intelligent, articulate individuals that are importing into hashtag murky. Sure. So when you actually start to break these organizations down, it's never just a person. It's not just Tyler Perry on his own. He's the, the main driving force, but there'd have been a number of people that would have been part of that success story. Mm. There's, there's always, it's virtually impossible to do it like I'm the main guy. Like he would have been, as I say, doing his thing in some hall somewhere and there would have been one person or two people that just stay consistently coming out to watch him or always driving the car or whatever it is, whatever yeah. it is. Mm. Well, that's, that's the thing that yeah. we, we miss out sometimes on here. That's what we miss out on. Yeah, I, th I think I think I agree with what you're saying, man. And then, and the reason why is, if you look at obviously, you know, fact is fact, and you you say Jay Prince, and obviously researching the likes of Jay Z, you see all these people in the back, even Leo Cohen and 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 all these other guys who are there mm. to steer from a business standpoint as well. Um, now, there's one particular thing that always keeps springing to mind when the conversation of business and creativity comes in is the, the issue of empathy. And do you see do you see running the business? OK, so if you have a creative person and he or she setting up a business and you've got a business person that's actually helping drive the business aspect of it. At what point do you say to the business, OK, we're a creative business, but we're all about making this business stand over the next few years so we'll have to be concerned about profit uh, do we now to a certain degree right 
move more on the logic side, right? And concentrate, let the logic drive the, the creative. Case in point, Hollywood. Because, you know, mm. like you, you rightly know, a lot of people have issues with the films, the, the tentpole films coming out of Hollywood. So what do you say mm. about that kind of... Because in, uh, inevitably, you see a lot of big survive, uh, creative businesses that survive over the years. They kind of lean towards that model where it's more just logic driven by numbers. And, you know, the, the art community, we say they're not as art concentrated as they should be. What is your thought on that? I think it depends on the actual people because each case is particular to that set of creatives. Mm. For example, if you have a creative genius in your company and you okay. allow logic to run it, you'll kill the company. Do you know what okay. I mean? So, so, so it, it all depends on, on the company and understanding who the elements are within that creative company and what they've come to prominence by doing. For example, if you try to run Kanye West as a process, you just kill him. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you know. <laughs> you say to you, you don't have the answers, man. You don't have the answers. <laughs> You don't have the answers, Mark. Mark, you don't have the answers. I'm telling Kanye, chill, man, chill, blood. I'm from London. I don't have the answers. Oh, man. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I think I think it depends. So, so the, my case in point, right? So, so again, just use the model. Say me and you set up a film company, mm. and at the beginning of it, we said, right, forget all the creative stuff, and mm. you'd look at me blank. Like, what do you mean? That's what we're doing. And I'm like, yeah. no, forget that. Let's work out our business plan. Mm. Who are we doing it for? Where do we see ourselves in two years, mm. six years, ten years, whatever it is? Mm. What are we building here? And say we said, right, we are building the most creative film company that's going to turn on people between the ages of 15 to 25. Mm -hmm. Right, cool, let's go for it. Like, what are they into and what are we into that we're going to bring to this marketplace? Mm. But I've just said to you, it's very rare in mm. creativity that people do that. Mm. It's really, 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 really rare. So... Mm. If the going back to the question, if the person now um, or the people, because all the creative company is really is people. It's all it is. It's nothing else. It's not. We don't actually have a product unless their company is based on the product. It's just people, sure, and their idea and their ability to execute those ideas for money. Mm. So, if we were fortunate enough to create, so we did mad films that were just crazy, mm. yeah, and we just loved them then we would lead with that as our lead product. Hmm. And we would be in like for a number of years, I'd say, I don't know, five to 10 years, we'd be in a state of bliss hmm. making these films and people would love them. We're making money. This would be just crazy. Then hmm. they'd get to a point where we don't want to make them films anymore. They didn't make us sick because hmm. we're creative. We need that new injection of whatever. Um, my case in point is, you know, the guys who made Get Out. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's mouth, their, yeah. yeah, them lot. That's their kind of hmm. thing. When mm. they're making stuff that represents them, it has mass appeal because they understand the things that I've said, like the quality of it, the narrative, mm. the, the telling, that they understand that there's a market for this. There's a product, yeah, they isn't can... it? Like the quality control of it, yeah. Yeah, for mm. real. And and those need to be discussed. It can't be wild ideas or it can't be an indulged idea that doesn't have those checks and balances is what it needs. Mm. Mm. You know I mean? It needs checks and balances, like standard operating procedure, a SOP, they call it SOP, like a, a, mm. a way of, like, I look at creativity as a pyramid, right? Mm. So at the bottom of the pyramid, 
where the base is, that's where all of the chaos is. That's where all of the ideas are. That's where everybody's all trying to vie for whatever. And then as you go up to the capstan at the top, all of the stuff gets streamed off and you get to this moment where the thing is a thing and it's real and it's got an audience. And even the fact it's a pyramid, it's pointing in a direction. Yeah. And it's and it's got to do a job. Most creative, creatives I know that are doing their own stuff mm. are somewhere in the middle of that pyramid. Mm. They don't get to the capstan, like who this is actually for and and is it, is this a scalable market or is it a niche market? But it doesn't have to be a scalable market. It might be just like, look, I want to sell a thousand of these things to these people because I love these things. They love them. I'm going to make them for them. And if I don't make any profit, I don't care. Or if I make profit, it's a, it's a great thing. And the, but knowing the reasons why they're doing it and being true to the cause of doing it. Mm. And you surprised of how many of those things turn into bigger things because there's a purity in there. I, I think, I think you have to be really specific with it, with what mm. it is you're trying to do and who it's for and how you're trying to get there with it. That's that's what I think. Mm. And we don't mm. we don't I'm from personal experience as well, we don't do enough of that. We don't we just assume stuff without really patterning out the detail in yeah, a creative yeah. space. You know. And and, and it, it is a creative thing because we are indulged people. That's what we do. We we get in we love stuff. We want it to look good. Yeah. You know, and that's part of the indulgence. I mean, if we wanted to make money, we'll be in finance, right? <laughs> I mean, that that doesn't mean in the creative industry you wouldn't make money. You, I mean, you know, you 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 live well, you will live well, or you live well. So, but I get, yeah, I get, I, yeah. I've got a rebuttal for that. I'd have a rebuttal for that because that stopped me in my track before. Stop I had to there. think about that, and, and, nah, man, and you know, I had a rebuttal for that. I think, I think the issue is, is, mm. is. If people did want to really make this money, they'd be creative. But there's a flip side to that statement: is that mm. basically we don't. Also, we don't want to be raped for our creativity. Also, no, I, I be, think we want no, to be sorry, compensated. We want to be compensated for our creative stuff. So some of the stuff goes out there, you know, and other people then reap the benefits of it. It's like, no, I want to be in that conversation as well. Yeah, I, th just, I think no, no. But that's the thing, though. To caveat what I even said, and 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 you quoted as well, it's not even a case of. Because obviously the the primary objective for for you as a creative person, like you said, is is indulgence. It's art. You're creating something. Yeah. Um, but as a finance person, it's money. Like just straight up money. And that's why you say the businessman could, you know, bend the truth backwards to make a profit. Because their their goal, ultimate goal, is profit. So yeah. it, it's 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 not. I'm not absorbing any. Creative say uh, from the the desire to be rich or make money. Now that's not it. It's it's just you know it's just the nature of the beast. Like if you're creative, it's art first. It's creation first. Yeah. Um. But it's a tricky yeah. one as well because obviously, like what you said, and also it's just understanding finance as well, like money and the 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 situation of cost in a project. How do you know what you, how much your time is worth as an individual? Because f say, for example, you, you, you moved into setting up a business. How are you able to budget your time? Because obviously freelancing, you've got your daily rate, your hourly rate, but then as a business, did you see a disconnect in how you measured your time? Because you obviously could measure the time of your staff easily because, you know, it's just day rates, isn't it? It, yes and no so okay. it's day rates it's day rates when paying staff mm -hmm. from a staff being paid perspective but from a company perspective it's got to be based on timesheets mm -hmm. if you see what i mean because mm -hmm. 
you now, i.e. the business owner, has to know how many hours has been spent on a certain project to know if it's profitable for the company. Mm. And again, from BBC and Red B and those places, they used to do timesheets there. So I used Mm. to do timesheets. So I took that bit of information in my head and applied it to my company. So I would get people who worked internally for me to do timesheets at one period where it was really busy. Yeah. So I, I could look at the timesheets and go, well, I've paid these daily rates, but I've done it at a loss here because mm. we've spent more time on this than the, was in it for the profit of the company. Sure. Or I could look at it the reverse way and go, actually, we've made a profit here as mm. I started to become more savvy in understanding what those hours meant in terms of money. So once you crunch all the numbers of the operating costs and you put a markup on it in terms of your percentage for the to try and make a profit because yeah. one of the things that um creatives i don't know all creatives but a lot of people i know get wrong is that we're in this to make profit mm. so when people are quoting the hourly rates and stuff there's no profit in it at all mm. that's as so a freelancer a, right well as anything like kind mm. of like even ones running businesses and stuff there's there's not a lot of like you know any hard-nosed business will put a minimum of 30 percent markup on something mm. Hmm. So if you give someone ten grand, three grand of that has already gone to the profit. Yeah. And that's what business is. Yeah. And so we as creatives get we get like beaten up and stuff for that. We just we just you know, most example, creatives are just charge their hours and that's it. Yeah, and and you may even be travelling there and it's costing you money and all this kind of stuff and because it's been set in that where everyone's consciousness, that's what they understand it to be and they're just about breaking even, just about paying their bills, look got a little bit of saving to go on holiday and that's it. But if you, you get into a business, the word business is associated with making profits. And and if you're not getting any bonuses or anything like that or kind of stuff and, and again, when I was in the big corporates I never really had this mentality. I just got the check, and if I got bonuses because I worked really hard and my work was good and whatnot, I was happy, and the money I was getting was decent, and just keeping it all moving. It's only my 10-year apprenticeship, because that's what it's been, running my own company, I've now understood, like, okay, this is how money actually works in the creative space. And you can't and you can't take on certain jobs because the time it's going to take to do it doesn't equate to the money that you're being paid. You're going to be doing it at a loss. Sure, so you can't be working sure. for free. Doesn't, yeah, doesn't make no sense. So when yeah. a client's now arguing about it, I can actually break it right down to the penny and go, "Well, this is where these costs come from," mm. which I've had to do. I've had to do over the ten years. Um, so I've developed new skills that I, I I would personally think are great skills, transferable skills into companies now because I've I fully get um, the hourly situation with money mm. and creativity and what you're selling and also even intellectual property if someone comes to me for a brand and they don't even have a name and i'll create everything Mm. and they pay me some money for that they don't own the intellectual property of it Mm. and there's been a few i haven't managed to pull this one off but there's been a few people out there that have (laughs) just i mean no it's it's, it's a real thing where where they they will do a logo for someone and that person pays them for it but they haven't bought the intellectual property because they couldn't afford to pay for it sure because if you think about it the person that designed the Nike tick right mm-hmm. if they had a contract we're going to design this for you and you can go and use it for whatever mm-hmm. but any changes to it or if it goes over a certain amount of reproductions we want a percentage and yeah. they would be in that right Nike could turn them and go nah it's alright we'll just pay you for the logo so then okay cool give me a million quid for it then, and I'm cool yeah yeah it's like, like royalties for music now isn't it it's exactly the same 
Yeah. It's the only industry where it doesn't really happen. And which is interesting though, because with music, you know, it it it's a, it was a certain time period that it this whole thing changed. Like, you know, musicians could write their piece and it just goes on all over the world, do it people replicate it and no problem. And all of a sudden it was like boom, you know, people need to get paid for this and royalties no, that's kicked not, in. That's 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 not totally true. Go for what it. happened was mm. there was a bunch of people that were putting it out mm-hmm. and they wasn't saying anything about the publishing. They were just taking it all. <laughs> they were just taking it. And then people became conscious that there's money attached to it. And why I say that is I was watching an interview yesterday about Paul McCartney mm. and Michael Jackson because Mike, Michael Jackson bought the Beatles music rights, right? I don't know if you're aware of this. Yeah, yeah, I'm aware and of that, yeah. So Paul McCartney was saying that when they were younger in the Beatles, they just assumed that their music was just in the air and everybody owned it. Mm. And it was only when he had a, comp- a conversation with someone more senior that they informed him that there's a thing called publishing. Mm. So publishing has always kind of been around. And so the artists the music artists mm. were similar to how we were a bit ignorant of all of this mm. and we just tried to pay our bills and get money and trying to get our portfolios bigger and attract more work and all the stuff that we do but it's the wrong mindset like we don't have a union mm. and there's a music union mm. if, if there was a graphic union that we all paid some money to every year that was now doing all your intellectual property and all this stuff the industry would be a lot healthier. We'd be a lot richer, but there isn't one. Yeah, no. That, no I, I hear what you're saying, though. I think I think what I was even referring to was pro- it was is pretty much when this whole license in the whole basically performing rights when it started. Because I'm saying it started at some point in history, right? So it wasn't like from the beginning of time. No, what, what I'm what I'm saying to you is, mm. as soon as they was recording audio in certain mm. places that was applicable and these were the places that they could trace because remember oh, like, sure sure definitely it, that's all i'm saying so mm. that there's always been a mindset of people within that industry that had an awareness that we own this we pay for the yeah. studio we own this if you want to use this over there you've got to give us some money for it which is basically publishing oh yeah no definitely, right so that's definitely. what i'm saying and then and then as, the, as it evolved, the consciousness became more widespread that actually it's being used all over these places. We want a piece of whatever's going on here. Yeah. And you speak to any artist now, they'll be going on trying to hang on to their publishing. Oh, no, so 100%, 100%. Yeah, because, I mean, so, so but going back to what I'm saying, I think it was more the, from the angle I'm coming from is that, so if you look at the concept behind that, you know, year, I'd say, because I just did a quick Google, like, I think this is like the mid 15th century. Now, before this time, right, there was no way to track or anything, you know, the the idea of you write music, the music lives in different places, and then you're remunerated for it, it was a bit foreign. Now, this is, you know, God knows how many years after music is so like the publishing is, it's, it makes sense. No, you can't argue it with someone. In terms of visual arts, like even music videos, the <clears throat> the director sits down, comes up with a treatment. The, you know, some directors will come up with a whole idea from start to finish, but yeah. it goes out on YouTube, amasses millions of views, or whatever even goes on. The director doesn't. Most directors, maybe ninety five percent, ninety nine percent, even wouldn't even get a single dime after they've been paid yeah. just to execute. Do you know what I mean? It's it's um, 
it's interesting. No, that, let, let, let me know. let me just quantify what you just said. A couple of points just on what you said, right? So you said that there was a certain point where in the 15th century, but what you have to add to that equation is the mm. the evolution of technology, and what technology then did to certain things, right? So back then. Uh -huh. You have to have an orchestra to play that music, so it wasn't worth collecting anything. So my case in point now is, we are still in the 15th century in graphics. That's the point, <laughs> and that's what, I guess that's what you're saying, right? That's we're, we're still in that. Yeah, but because mm. Mm. because music video directors, you, mm. myself, whoever's doing this stuff, right, should share in the profits of the YouTube streams. Oh yeah, 100. Yeah, so we should we should get our wage. And have an intellectual property in the fees that come off because it's our creative. Yeah. 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 Now, if there was some kind of um, collection society, <laughs> basically. <laughs> <laughs> no, because because like like what you're saying, man. If you get an orchestra to play music, right? You've ri written the music. That's your piece, um, and that's it. Good. It, it, it doesn't matter how many people. That's your idea. It's gone. But now you have the music videos. You've got. <clears throat> you know the, the 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 title sequences whatever execution that comes from us as creative people it goes off <clears throat> it goes off into the ether and that's it yeah. done you know um yeah yeah i mean i'm in total agreement and I, I you know i don't know if this will ever change in our lifetime or whatever but, <laughs> but there is a rich <laughs> for me for me running a a company for 10 years i've had the unique well, I don't know if it's unique but I have the great experience of being in a corporate company the size mm -hmm. of the BBC so you can't get bigger in this company in this country for television which is yeah. just great yeah. learning all the systems and processes also being privy to how much jobs cost because I was at senior level and who's getting paid what and that kind of stuff understanding it from a corporate level yeah. and then when I transitioned into Virgin Television Virgin Media Television yeah. I was effectively becoming the client because mm -hmm. places like where I used to work for would pitch to me. Mm -hmm. So I, I had to, the best of both worlds, where I understood the client and the supplier. Mm -hmm. like, okay. And then, so now I'm running my own company now. I also understand the small guys who was out there trying to pitch. So I understand yeah. all three. I have knowledge of how it all works, like yeah. the whole universe works. Yeah. So at each point of that universe you're quite right we just go on to the next graphic stuff next graphic because we're just trying to pay bills do some nice stuff and keep keep our egos alive that's, mm. what, that's what we're doing we're, really it's one of the yeah. only creative industry that doesn't have that type thing attached to it whereby there should be some kind of royalties that go back to the people that are coming up with all the ideas absolutely mm. But, mm. but whether that will change in my lifetime I don't know and you know if anybody on the podcast or tries to get at me and says well why don't you start up the society i was about to, why don't you start it mark well let's, let's, I'm, let's, let's, come I'm on bro not, i'm not doing it because i want to do creative stuff <laughs> i hear you now now here's the big question what does the future hold for mark one that's a great question man um, i know i know <laughs> <laughs> that's a great question man i gotta to refer to my notes one second <laughs> <laughs> this man has a business plan for his future ladies and gentlemen this, this is amazing so i think i think one of the things that i'm working on as i said is a book and mm. everyone who knows me um as mark one says i've got one isms where i come up with these little statements that always mm. profoundly are truths and help people so 
I've been trying to do this for ages, but I've got to do it is just start putting out little motivational stuff and get the book to market, which is going to be at some point in 2021. Okay. I don't know what's going on with COVID and whatnot, so I think that's important. Yeah. Um, the music entity, which I've currently run with three other guys, is called Emotive Frequency. We have some artists on there that we're working with. We want mm. their stuff to kind of do well. And based on what we've already discussed this evening, I think we've got a firm foundation of senior people helping some young people to try mm. and achieve their goals. So we expect big things from them if they can keep up with what we're saying. That okay. would be good for us. Mm. And also, I'm, I'm very interested in actually having done 10 years out here in the wilderness, mm. in interfacing back into some corporate um, environments to apply the knowledge that I've learned and, yeah. um, you know, a short-term or long-term contract basis to just kind of get back into talking to people and having different conversations because running your own company is mm. very lonely also. Mm. And that's mm. one of the things I've missed from from back in the day so that's what I'm kind of on in terms of how I see the whole game um, I think this is a time in COVID-19 for great innovation mm. I think we throughout my whole creative life mm. it's been one upheaval of of um, innovation and why mm. I say that is I do this technique whereby I speed up time in my mind and I look at things in hyper speed so if i look at the last 30 years mm. i can see all of the paste up art stuff that i spoke about at the beginning being thrown away yeah. and the computers coming in and totally yeah. revolutionizing everything then a global brain forming which is the internet then mm. everybody getting smartphones and then the whole thing changing i have three children who are, who are adult two of them are adults one of them is still a child and then um, they've experience of the world they don't even know what a record is and they mm. know more about the internet than myself. Mm. So going forward into the future, we've got to embrace this technology and really understand these platforms and really understand our business mm. and really create premium products, you know, stuff that can really compete. And, and that's what I see going forward. I really see we've got to, you know, things like the channel, channels that have been born, like the Grime Dailies, like they're exciting platforms. They're really yeah. interesting because they made themselves. Oh. You know, no one was helping them and they didn't make any money at the beginning and now they've turned into business, viable businesses by very intelligent people. Oh. And and they are, that's the blueprint for this thing. It isn't about waiting for anyone to give you a handout, but it is also about doing your homework and your research. It ain't about oh. just busking. It's about really creating stuff that's premium, you know, really taking on what's going on in America and really taking on what's going on in Africa and delivering stuff there that they're just going, this is just amazing content. Mm, mm. People are doing it here. People are definitely doing it here. But um, that's what I see as the future is, is really embracing these new ways of communicating, the Zooms and all the stuff that's going on because of COVID. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had more conversations with people outside of my company since COVID than I have before it because of the accessibility of people via those platforms. Yeah. So for someone like me, I'm looking at it as a positive. Like, this is actually amazing. Yeah. So that, that, that's where I see it. Yeah, I mean, that's powerful, man. That's powerful. Because the truth of the matter is with um, the way COVID has reshaped the landscape, especially when it comes to communication, a lot of people would never have seen this, not not COVID, would never have seen the transformation coming or even staying for, for six months, 
you know, remote working, um, um, executing projects 100% remotely, migrating pipelines, a whole company pipeline remotely. It's just, it's just amazing. And it's just, it just shows how we can adapt as human beings as well, you know? So it's something uh, absolutely, that, absolutely. Mm, 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 absolutely. Mm. And I think, I think I think really as well, the agileness of it all, if you really want to make a company that competes like mm. with the major companies and has a massive headcount of staff, mm. has influence on society and yeah. is really like looking at its profit margins, its loss and really doing this thing on a higher level, mm. the technology is here to actually yeah, yeah, yeah. to do this. We've adopted a couple of things at my company, tools that allow us to work remotely with other people and they are project management tools, mm. which don't, they never ever replace a producer because they're, they're worth the weight in gold. However, Obviously, these yeah. projects, well, these, these tools that I've now started using, like one in particular is called Notion. So I advise people to go and look at Notion who are mm. in the creative space who want to develop more um, ways of communicating with people and showing people what they're doing. It's a perfect tool. There's a couple of projects I'm doing. Like I'm doing a project that is a music fitness pro- product. Mm. Um, that involves a, a, it involves a grime artist who's a, a fitness entrepreneur, and we've put it together. It's a joint between Emotive Frequency and a, and a company called Al Parks. Paul Barakor is the guy, mm. and um, he's an entrepreneur, great guy. We've worked with him in the past when he was younger. He's great, 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 great guy. He's got two hundred thousand people in parks training all across the country. Oh, nice, nice. Um, and so he, we did a project with him, and this. These tools have allowed us to be able to express ourselves and keep everyone on track, yeah. without me having to phone people up and say stuff because all the data is there. Like we have a conversation or a meeting on Zoom, and while we're doing it, I'm doing the notes in Notion, yeah. and and as we finish the meeting, they're all there with a timeline and everything's there, done. Yeah. So that's that that's that's the future, but the future is here, so that's today. So what we're going into the future with is, is something else. I hear that, man. I hear that. Well, I mean, it's 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 been an interesting conversation so far, and I mean, we can go on and on, and I'm hoping you can come back for more conversation because there's a lot of stuff. And you said the future, the future is evolving, and there's some so many things we can unpack from the future. Yeah, but, you know, speak, speaking about the future, um, I'm about to put you in a capsule. So I call this section a quick fire section, where yeah. I'm going to ask you different questions. Some questions would make you freeze. You know, and some questions would just tickle you a bit. But the general idea is you don't spend more than five seconds thinking of an answer. Okay. So, um, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) So, the first question is, what is your favorite word? Yes. Yes. Your favorite word is yes. Okay. I'm not going to ask why. Why? Because I love when people tell me that I can't do something. Ah, I see. I see. I see. I see. I see. I see. All right. All right. Uh, That makes sense. So, what is your favorite curse word? Um, uh, I think uh, it's not even a curse word, man. It's, it's idiot. Ah, oh, man, <laughs> this is the, the this is the cleanest man I've had on my podcast, man. No, my no, life. no. I use I, no, I use expletives, <laughs> but but you said my favorite. Your favorite. Word. So that's your favorite one, yeah. Yeah, them them man are idiot. <laughs> that's it. I'm done. J- I'm Jamaican, it. Them man are idiot. Yeah, man, what's wrong yeah. with them? They idiots, man. <laughs> I like that. Right. Okay, so let's go to the next one. What was the last music you listened to? Uh, it was in my frequency music, man. It's this Young Athena, the artist on our on our music thing. Yeah, I'm gonna drop all this on the yeah. show notes as well because Young Athena's sick, man. She's sick. 
Um, Thank you. Yeah, she's she's got a bright future, but yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Okay, so what are you terrible at? Um, I would say time management, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm much better at it because of the tools, but man, yeah, gotta get better. At, keep keep getting better at that. Yeah, time management. At least, at least you're being honest, man. I mean, that's half half the. But the... No, no, don't get me wrong. When I got projects, my issue with time management is my laser focus on on work. Got you. And everything else goes out there. Yeah. So you got you got to cater for everything. So time management. Ah, okay, okay, get that, get that. Okay, so then, what are you great at? Lifting people up. Yeah, I can lift people up. No matter how low you are, I can get you up. I can get you back up. Yeah. And what's what's um what's admirable about that is conversation as well. Like the willingness to have lengthy conversations because um, prior to COVID, a lot of people were meeting up physically. But, you know, with, with this whole thing, people are relying a lot more on just picking up the phone or dialing into Zoom, Skype, whatever, or just, you know, having that conversation. So in, in, in the segue, and here's what I'm about to do. You're going you're gonna to love me for this, man. Who is that one person you admire or respect that you like to jump on a Zoom chat with, Skype chat, WhatsApp chat, whatever with, and why? Uh, you see that? See what man, I, see, that's see a what hard I did? one, man. See what I did there? I know, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take that, take that, take that. <laughs> oh, man. man, that's a hard one. Man like me, I'm very self-motivated. Like, that's a hard one. Okay, it, it, it can be, it doesn't have to be, the person could be living or dead. Let's, let's widen up, the, widen the scope. Okay, you've given me a space there. So mm. the, it would have to be Bob Marley, man. Bob Marley. Mm. Robin Nessa, why? Yeah. yeah, it'd have to be Bob Marley, man. Bob Marley stood for something. Mm. And he stood on firm ground. Mm. He was a master at his craft. Mm. He delivered his craft in its purest sense. And it connected globally because it was so good. And that's the point I've been making through this whole interview. Yeah. You know, he, he his music was reggae music. And he stood for what? he stood for and he went out of this planet standing for something he united the two parties so it would be to chill out and speak with him for just reason with him for a bit and see what was on his mind and talk about what's going on in the world because he had very good viewpoints so it'd be Bob Marley man fantastic man the legend so um, if you had one superpower what would it be I oh, mean I've already got superpowers man <laughs> Okay, if you add one more extra superpower, like here's another one. <laughs> what, what would that be? Let's add one more to your to your growing list of superpowers. <laughs> oh man, like I got so many already. Like I got to figure a new one. Uh, <laughs> I think I want her. If I had a superpower, man, I think that superpower would be. I don't even know, man. No. I I've got I don't have an answer for that. I might have to come back to that one, man. I don't know. Okay, okay. Let's 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 move on. But yeah, um here's one that you'd love. If a movie were to be made about your career or life, what would the title be? <laughs> <laughs> take that, take that, take that. <laughs> but you you 
<laughs> you, 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 you just said what the title would be, man. Oh, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, or, 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 or is it going to be take that, take that, take that? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> No, it must probably be something like everything is everything, man. Like that Jamaican say, everything or everything. everything the film everything. might be called Everything is Everything. Yeah, yeah. That's what it might be called. And uh, who would you like to play you? That's a deep question, man. Go for it, man. I'd like me to play me, man. <laughs> 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 well, man, listen. So who's gonna? Put, so so. <laughs> You're gonna. It's gonna be a very expensive film because um, you have to play you when you're what in your twenties, thirties, forties, right? So you have to de-age That's yourself. That's easy, man. That's easy, yeah. No, no, that's don't crack, yeah? <laughs> no, man. I just no. I just get some special effects, CGI, <laughs> track my face, face <laughs> smoothing it up, you know. <laughs> You know, Move out the crinkles, man. Yeah. Tuck the belly in. Tuck the belly in, man. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't need to do much, man. Just, just make sure you don't take the shirt off. Just keep the girdle, girdle on, man. It's, it's... Nah, man. You gotta take the shirt, shirt off and put some <laughs> Photoshop abs in there and keep it pushing, like looking <laughs> ma- amazing. I put some fake tattoos. Fake tattoos, right? earrings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jewelry. Nice. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. Oh, oh, I got my superpower, man. It would be teleportation. Oh, you don't want to pay for flights, man. Why is everyone? Do you know what? I think, and I agree with you, man. Like my my superpower would be things that I spend money on that I wouldn't have to spend money on. You know, listen, man. If I could just say, "Yo, mom, I'm coming to Jamaica, and I'm there in a minute," and look, it's good, man. You've no no queuing. You drop the queues. You know, like save some money. Yeah, man. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I'll go. Do you want anything from Nigeria? I'm going there in a minute. Oh, listen, you don't don't even get me started on that, man. There's this thing I love from Nigeria called suya, and I crave for that, man. If I could teleport, I'd be cool. Well, I'll bring a couple tons back, man. I'll uh, bring a couple tons. You'd have a storage problem. Uh, oh, listen, that's a good problem to have, bro. It's a good problem. To have. <laughs> yeah. All right. And now the final question: What would you like the world to remember you for? Oh man, that's a straightforward one, man. Just I stand for something. Yeah, mm. you know I mean, I stood for something. I raised my kids. That stereotype that they perpetrate on black men—that mm. that wasn't me. Like I don't know who where it came from, mm. but I have three children. They're raised. They're good. They're out there representing themselves. Yeah, my people around me are well represented, and I stood for something. Mm. I didn't just go along with what everyone said or what situation said I stood up for some and understood what was going on so I stood for some yeah yeah but possibly well, I want to chill with Bob because he stood for some nice nice Mr. Mark one it's been a pleasure yes, brother sir. this has been a, this has been Michael. an interesting chat and, and thanks for joining me in this episode bro really appreciate it uh, go let me just say I want to thank you for creating the platform I want to make sure that everybody look listens to the oh I've been listening to them and I've been finding them very entertaining and I'm glad you've done something you forced me into a space because <laughs> <laughs> all of my lot are saying you got to do it you got to do it in fact one of my one of my one of my friends called me up two days ago and said when are you doing that that have you said that that pop I was like yeah I'm doing it man on the, on, the, on Friday just call cool. yeah yeah um so I just I just want to thank you and celebrate you as a good friend. I appreciate you. I respect you. And I'm ah, glad thanks, when man. you call me and we talk 
and I respect the O and it's a great platform man so well done to you also uh, thanks man appreciate that man appreciate that I hope you guys enjoy that episode with Mark Walters very inspiring very very enlightening and uh, I'm keen to hear what you guys think I'm keen to hear your feedback on this episode and the uh, previous episode of part one of this conversation before you go I'm going to drop a quote by the legendary advertising guru the late David Ogilvie and he says in the modern world of business it is useless to be a creative an original thinker unless you can also sell what you create i mean that's this that speaks volumes and it's, it's quite self-explanatory so guys whatever you do it's always good to consider how the hell am i gonna sell this stuff man um because above all that's important and that ties into the conversation i was having with mark walters guys i hope you guys as usual enjoy the episode and if you did please share follow subscribe um drop comments send me feedbacks you know spread the word spread the love tell people about the o stay safe stay smart create elevate this is the o